0: Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with anxiety, pain, or simply an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. When you order online, visit abotanicalcompany.com, use the discount code COLBYSHOW, and we're saving you 15% Off your online order, once again, abotanicalcompany.com. Discount code COLBYSHOW to save 15% off when you order online, abotanicalcompany.com. All right, it is Friday. Uh, Will Brewer is going to join me, our weekly MMA conversation. Uh, Usually this happens every Thursday, but we've had to uh, reshuffle the weekly schedule the last couple weeks. Uh, That's going to happen next week as well. Uh, We're going to be at chalk Next Thursday night, Aaron Davis and I uh, covering the NFL draft. That broadcast is going to start at 6.30. The draft starts at 7. Uh, There's a lot of draft swag giveaways. There's going to be prospect giveaways. So when you come in, you'll see our setup. There will be a hopper. Walk over, uh, pull a name out of the hopper. If you pull Trevor Lawrence's name and he gets drafted number one, which is going to happen, uh, you win a grand prize. So the prize selection is really cool. I'm really excited about this thing. And then again, we're going to be there all night. $3 Bud Lights the entire night. So... This is going to be an awesome draft party. I'm really excited to be at Chalk. And if you're looking for a place to come watch the draft, come hang out with us at Chalk Sports Bar in Chisholm Creek. All right, UFC 261 on Saturday night. I love this card. This is going to be a blockbuster. So we will uh, give our picks. We'll react to everything that's happened over the last week, review our picks from last week, and uh, have another weekly conversation with my good buddy Will Brewer. Will Brewer is... We are counting down the hours at this point to UFC 261. Do you have the fever?
1: I got it, man. It took a a minute. You know, this week kind of breezed by a little bit. And, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I'm just like, ah, you know what, you know. But now that we're here, it's just like, ah, let's go. Like, you know, the the press conference and everything that's coming in with it, I've got the fever, man. I, I text you, I was like, you know what? I'm here now. I'm here. The fever's here.
0: There you go. I have been super slammed with NFL draft stuff, big draft event next week. Um, I did a big mock draft last week, another mock draft this week. So my head, like 90% of the last, like two weeks has been on the NFL draft. But today I was finishing up a lot of my draft stuff and I'm, I'm pretty much done until next Thursday now. And Coincidentally, we happened to have the press conference today. So like I, I finally had a little free time. I pulled up some old fights on ESPN plus. I watched the uh the the Zhang Wei Lee, um Yoon uh i am never good with that name. uh I watched that fight again, which was just like, I don't know, maybe it might have been better actually rewatching it uh the second time or I, I don't think I've ever watched it back completely. Uh, since the first fight, I know I've seen parts of it since the first time, but uh, I watched the entire thing back today. I uh, went back and watched uh, Rose versus Andrade earlier this year. Um, went back and rewatched uh, Usman Masvidal. So I'm, and, and then when you had the press conference from today into the whole mix, like I'm, I'm geeked.
1: Yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I watched a few fights. With Rose, with Joanna, with John uh, Wei Lee, even with Valentina. I went back and watched her head kick knockout. Just perfect, <laughs> A flawless performance there. And then uh, with Usman and Masvidal, same thing. Um, I'm, I'm ready, man. I'm excited. This card is loaded. I'm excited, man.
0: Three title fights, which uh, we were talking before we hit record... Three title fights, which completely overshadow two really great fights to get this main card started. So as far as the pay-per-view portion of this thing, I, I think you have five blockbuster matchups.
1: Absolutely, the, these five matchups. I mean, the three title fights will overshadow the two the, uh, openers, but the two opening uh, fights, uh, Anthony Smith, Jimmy Crute, you know, in light heavyweight division, you got guys who are jockeying for that top. Uh, contender spot, and you know Jimmy Crude, a young guy coming in. Anthony Smith, a former title challenger. This is the fight that really shows where you are. And then Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman. You got a former champion, a guy who ruled over the middleweight division for like three years, and then you got a young guy, Uriah Hall, who just basically retired Anderson Silva. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you got that just to uh, to start out the card. Then you just jump right into the, right into three title fights. It's it's amazing, man. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Uh, We do have to go back and review last week's card. We have to give the score updates because there are a lot of points up for grabs this week. Will?
1: Oh yeah, man. Uh, I've been uh, I've been kind of relaxed a little bit these past few uh, cards, but you know this one. I think this is the one I'm coming for you, Daniels.
0: All right, man. I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready. Uh, I'm I'm feeling good. Uh, Or or maybe I'm just telling myself that I'm feeling good, but. Either way, this is going to be a card that uh, I absolutely enjoy on Saturday night. All right, before we hit the Whitaker Gastelum fight night uh, card and, and review our picks from last week, um, let's uh, let's hit a few headlines over the last seven days since the last time we recorded. Um, I, I think you have to start with Ben Askren, Jake Paul, right? I mean, if, if you're going to talk about anything that is MMA related, and I and Ben Askren is MMA related, that's why. Uh, this this is brought up. Uh, this was... It, it's crazy to say that Ben Askren in a boxing match against a YouTuber named Jake Paul on Saturday night was a bigger deal to the entire <clears throat> world than Robert Whittaker, Kelvin Gastelum, which are both incredibly gifted mixed martial artists. But uh, that was... That stole the show over the weekend. It was It was the number one trending thing on Twitter, for crying out loud.
1: Oh, man. What a what a production that was, that trailer. <laughs> I mean, what? Goodness, what a production that was. I, I mean, I have never seen anything like that. And then, you know, the fight itself. I mean, you know, for what it's worth, you know, I just expected, you know, this is a YouTuber fighting a guy in Ben Ashland. I'm, I'm just thinking about all his accolades. Olympian, Yeah. Uh, Multiple time uh, MMA champion, one in different organizations. I went to the UFC. I mean, didn't have the best, you know, few fights in the UFC. But, you know, Ben Askren, his overall record is like 19 and two in MMA. Like Ben Askren is one of the is a great, great MMA fighter. So, you know, when, when you think about it, I'm like, okay, you got this YouTube guy who thinks he can box against Ben Askren, who's done all these things. And I didn't really take into account. I mean, I did, but I like just didn't think that it was going to be that big of a deal. Like, how bad that Ben Ashford was at striking. And it's Bro, just like, we
0: talked about <laughs> it last week. We said last week in this conversation, he's one of the worst strikers in UFC history.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, and I said to myself, like, you know, he fought Damian mine. It was one of the worst uh, striking matches I've ever seen. But I'm just, I'm just like, <laughs> Bro, this is a, yeah. he's finding YouTube guy. He yeah. knows how to defend himself. I mean, he's gonna you know land punches and eventually he's not gonna knock him out, but he's probably just gonna get a decision. That's what that yeah. was what I thought. But God, he goes in there and
0: it was ah. not goodwill. It was a, <laughs> it was not a good performance. But look, the guy got paid a boatload of money. What's the? Is, I, I think I read um, when you account for the pay per view dollars, it was like one point two million. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that's why he can walk out of that cage and have a smile on his face
0: with his Big wife. Big smile on his face with his <laughs> wife, walking back to the locker room after he got KO'd by a YouTuber in the first round because he just got paid one point two million. I Googled last week, and take this for what it's worth, that it, you know, the internet isn't doesn't always tell you the truth, but I Googled how much did Ben Askren make in the UFC? And the dollar cause you know, a lot of this is is a mystery. We don't really know what these guys make. Um the number I found was somewhere in the $800,000 range.
1: Yeah. I heard, I heard him say like, um, I'm getting paid more for this fight than I did in my entire UFC career, which is, which is crazy because he's, he was in some pretty big fights right off the bat in UFC on the pay-per-view main card. So man, I mean, there's, there's a lot in it for this, for these boxing events, man. He's fighting the YouTuber, Jake Paul. I mean, if I'm been asking, I would have done it all over again. Absolutely. Plus all the pay-per-view, uh, all the pay-per-view money that you get. Like, yeah. man. And, and I mean, even though you got embarrassed on national TV, I mean, the blow is not that bad when, you know, like I didn't take much damage. You know, it was, you know, the referee kind of saved me. Um, but, and now I'm walking out of the cage with my wife who still loves me. am going back right. to my family with, uh, a million dollars. Like, It really couldn't even get better than that unless he just actually would So
0: It's a way better scenario than the Nate Robinson scenario where he just gets punished repeatedly and then ends up sleeping face down. I mean, this is a way better scenario than that. Plus, you get a giant payday. Uh, But look, I never for a second felt like he had a chance in this thing. Right? Like, look, we were laughing on Friday at the weigh-in. We were sending, like, I think simultaneously we sent each other the picture of Ben Askren. And you have Jake Paul, who literally has done nothing but train for this fight, like, day and night, train for this fight. He's in shape. He's hired, like, the best of the best to teach him. Uh, And then you have Ben Askren, who looks like he just got off the couch eating a bag of Cheetos. Uh, Not to mention, he's one of the worst strikers in the history of the UFC. I told you, I'm rooting for Ben Askren, but there's no way he wins this fight. Jake Paul will win. Now, I I would be lying if I thought Ben Askren was going to get knocked out because I I didn't think that was going to be the case. I felt like he was taking this fight to get a big payday. He obviously didn't train for it. He wasn't taking this serious. But I thought, and I, I think I even said something along the lines of last week, he has a fighter's mentality and there's going to be something in his DNA that that's going to, you know, if nothing else, just, just prevent him from getting knocked out the whole way. Like, I think he's going to lose. I don't think he's going to score. Jake Paul will beat him, but I don't think he's going to allow himself to take a big punch and and go to the canvas. So (laughs) I thought he would just play defense for the entirety of the fight and just do his very best to not get KO'd. And uh, Jake Paul made very quick work of him. And let me ask you this, because uh, on fight night, I think uh, the entire world, let's be honest, the entire world, except for maybe Jake Paul's family, and I'm not even 100% sure that this they they were rooting for him, but everybody was going for Ben Askren. Like, nobody wanted Jake Paul to win this thing. So when when he gets knocked out, everybody's pissed that he lost, but everybody like is like, he was on his feet. Why didn't you let the fight continue? Look, I, I do think they probably could have let the fight go a little longer. I, I'm not going to argue with that, but... If you think that fight is, do, is changing at all or going any other direction than Jake Paul feeding Ben Askren some big punches, you're out of your mind.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a good stoppage because, you know, seeing him get dropped like that, it just took me right back to the Nate Robinson fight. Like, you know, the referee kept letting Nate, let, letting Nate up. You know, I'm good. And then he just kept going in there and getting dropped. So I think to avoid that, the referee did good. I mean, and I, and I didn't feel like Ben when he, when he got up, I didn't feel like he was all there. So I guess his it was legs right were wobbly. Yeah. yeah his, his legs were still wobbly. So, yep. uh, with, you know, when the ref referee saw that, you know, I thought it was a good stoppage, but you know, as a competitor, you know, maybe taking that punch, maybe Ben was like, okay, you know, he, he dropped me. Maybe now I can like lock in, you know, he probably underestimated, you know, how powerful that the guy was. And, uh, after that, maybe he, he would have like locked in and been like, okay, now let me start fighting. That's the only scenario that I see that would have made this go any different, but yeah, I mean, Jake Paul got scored that big punch, and I mean, I was, I was shocked, absolutely. I was definitely shocked, and uh, when they stopped it, I was just like, yeah, I mean, I don't care. It's all good. <laughs> I didn't want to see any more of it anyway.
0: <laughs> I was glad it, it ended when it did, because I was really trying to follow both fights at the same time, and I was not doing a very good job of it, uh, so I, I was glad that that it ended quickly so I could pay attention to the real fight that was actually taking place. But look, we all love a giant train wreck in this country. We all love a giant dumpster fire. There's a reason that there are about a billion Jersey Shore seasons, right?
1: Like, people <laughs>
0: people want to watch the train wreck. And if you're Triller, like, they were trending on Saturday night. Everybody was talking about how bad the production was and what complete chaos the entire production was. And look, if that's if that's what you're saying, you're absolutely right. I give Triller a lot of credit, though, because they know it's a, a train wreck, and they embrace the train wreck. They, they go yes, full they train wreck. They're not trying to absolutely. prevent the train wreck from happening. They understand that, that it is a train wreck, so you might as well embrace that it's a train wreck. And so, I, you know, it just – I thought it was brilliant. They They did exactly what they should have done. Just let this thing be complete chaos. Let it just be the – like – the weirdest like sweet, sweet 16 MTV move music (laughs) award type celebrity boxing that it can possibly be. Right.
1: Yeah, man. Like when you hear all these fighters and everyone uh, talk about this, these fights, like they talk about how bad the production was before any of it starts. Like like, that trailer production, like, man, I just didn't like how it was put together and all this. Like yeah, I'm with. I'm right there with him. Like that was so bad, but at the same time, it was so bad that it was almost funny. You know, like right. Pete Davidson, uh, that guy. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's like, what am I doing here? This is this is horrible.
1: Pete Davidson, and then uh, Oscar De La Hoya, Snoop Dogg. Like, you're right. They embraced the chaos, and yeah. it made it funny. And you know, for for the MMA guys who wanted to just see. Uh, ben Askren win and just wanted to see this all fold for it to be that bad of a production on top of Ben Askren losing they're just like man this production was just terrible yeah. like they're gonna say all the bad things but you know for for me now like thinking about it and just you know I had some laughs like it was definitely chaotic you know Snoop Dogg give me my money give me my money Jake Paul and all that stuff like <laughs> I mean it was hilarious
0: man Eight people hilarious. on the microphone. I have no idea who's saying what. Oh, uh, man. 45 <laughs> minutes of music between any sort of other activity. Yeah, the slap man. fight with Ric Flair as the referee and Pete Davidson on commentary. Like, the whole thing was just, you know, an MTV, like, just throw up, you know, a concoction of all of their shows. And that's what you're left with. It was. Uh,
1: I mean, for, for everything that, Served its that purpose. Was, yeah, for everything that that um, production was, I do got to give uh, credit to Frank Mir for going out there and having a really solid performance, uh, going out there in, in a boxing fight and putting on a uh, performance that he did. I I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about that because of the chaos of the right. of the show and then Jake Paul. It's so but,
0: overshadowed. Yeah,
1: yeah, so overshadowed. But you know, Frank Mir went in there. I mean, he was basically representing the sport as well, and he actually went in there, and uh, I thought he uh, it was a hell of a, of a performance by him. Uh, Couldn't he, agree more. He didn't really seem like he trained much for that fight either, but, you know, Frank Mir has some uh, solid stand-up, I will say. So Yeah.
0: Well, he, you know, fighter's mentality, right? Like, Absolutely. Like, there's a pride to getting in a fight for somebody like that, and, and he took pride in, in what he was doing, regardless of how skilled he was. But look, I thought he was better than, than um, I imagined he would be. So... Uh, you're absolutely right. I thought Frank Mir represented himself really well. Uh, again, Ben Askren, he he was there for the payday. And I'll say this about yeah. Jake Paul. I told you a week ago, like, I don't know how good a boxer he is. You have to give him credit for having KO power. Cause you know, not yeah. everybody can just knock people out. Like there are, there are lots of people you can go throw on boxing gloves right now. And you, you may or may not have the power to knock somebody out. That's not just something that everybody has the ability to do. So Nate Robinson clearly had no boxing ability. Uh, and Jake Paul yeah. was clearly a more skilled boxer than Nate Robinson. But I, I, I gave him credit because he KO'd the guy. He obviously has some heavy hands and and uh, uh, put him to sleep. He obviously, you know, landed the big punch on on Ben Askren. I don't know how that translates against good boxers. I, I'm not going to pretend to be a boxing expert or anything like that and, and watch him box and, and try to guess like what his skill set is compared to high level boxers but I'll say this again the guy's fought three professional fights he's got three KOs and he's dedicated I mean he's in the gym every day he's working on it like I think it's fair to just say he's better than anybody wants to give him credit for now does that mean he could beat a legitimate like professional boxer probably not but I you have to give him credit for being significantly better than anybody wants to admit
1: yeah, and, you know, that intrigue of wanting to see him fight a guy who's got, like, good striking from MMA or just yeah. a, a a boxer, I mean, that's just going to keep people tuning in. So, I mean, what he's doing, it's working out perfect. Uh, he's fighting. He fought the biggest name that he could who couldn't strike. <laughs> so he fought Ben Askren, and that was just a, a well-played card by him. And, you know, uh, he's his own promoter, so he's going to be fighting these guys who – um, probably don't have the best striking, who uh, probably don't have a lot of experience. So, uh, you know, I feel like he's going to keep uh, racking up wins, and then, you know, we're going to want to see him fight, uh, you know, Conor McGregor or Nate Diaz, you know. And yeah. he's going to just keep getting more millions and more millions. You know, the money's just going to keep piling on. But, you know, um, man, did you see the whole Tyron Woodley altercation with the hand-wraps yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, man. and 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 now – I feel like you know, T, you know, T Woods is calling him out and everything. But if I'm Jake Paul, I stay far away from from that fight. Jake Paul won't uh, take that fight. Yeah, he 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 won't no. take that fight. Um, that's probably one of the worst case scenarios for him because if you know, for all that Ben Askren is, you know, Olympian and everything, you know, T Wood will go out there and 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 box him for sure.
0: Right. Well, and look, Jake Paul is a, a well-built athlete, right? Like it's oh, not yeah, like he's sure. some scrawny little dude like he's he's pretty well put together like Ben Askren was a mixed martial artist at 170 he was fighting at 190 like he was bloated and fat to get to 190 (laughs) like uh, that's the other thing like he was Ben Askren wouldn't even if Ben Askren were a boxer he wouldn't be boxing at 190
1: man Ben Askren is so comfortable in his skin like to to get on that scale looking like that and then to just have that big the biggest corniest smile on his face. Like he's going up there, I don't give a damn.
0: Right. He's thinking <laughs> 1.2 million bitches. <laughs> 1.2 million.
1: Yeah, man. Like Ben Ashkin didn't give a damn yeah. going up there and showing off, you know, the dad bod, the beer belly, right. you know. Um, and you know, Jake Paul's going in there. You can tell he's he's trained. Like, I guess, you know, me, I gotta give him more credit because, you know. I, I looked at him as a YouTuber for the longest time until I saw him drop Ben Askren. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, okay, I can't think of him as just the YouTuber anymore because yeah. he's actually got legit skill and, uh, he, you can tell he worked on his technique and he takes it serious. So, um, got to give him credit where credit's due, but you know, I don't know if he's going to take on any, uh, you know, professional boxer who's got some amateur fights under their belt or, uh, any MMA striker, um, or if he's just going to keep on going yeah. like you know he he's he's uh he might fight Dylan Dennis next. I heard rumblings about that. Yeah. I mean Dylan Dennis is basically in the same boat as Ben Askren, you know, so Right. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu yeah. guy who can not really strike, so
0: Bad yeah, bad striker. Um by the way, I do have some odds for Jake Paul's next opponent. Dylan Dennis is plus 200. Tyron Woodley is actually plus 300, which was shocking to me cuz I would guess that's like plus 5,000. I don't think there's any way that fight happens. Uh, BJ Penn, who threw his hat in the ring, uh, is plus 500. I could absolutely see that fight happening. Uh, Tommy Fury. I don't know if you're familiar with Tommy Fury, uh, younger brother of heavyweight champ Tyson Fury. Also, uh, one of the stars of one of my favorite reality shows of all time, Love Island, UK, uh, Tommy Fury, <laughs> by the way, if you haven't seen it, it all the Love Island seasons are on, uh, Hulu. Uh, awesome. Just what an awesome show. Um, shameless plug for love Island. That was my pandemic show. I'd never seen an episode, never heard of it. It got relayed to me during the pandemic and I binged all, I think six seasons over the wow. course of the pandemic. So yeah, uh, love it. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, Tommy Fury, uh, Jake Paul would be incredible. Like if, if you gave me my choice, that's the fight. Um, two big names, obviously, uh, you know, both of them have uh, big brothers that are pretty well known. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, Connor McGregor is plus 1,800, and Nate Diaz is plus 2,000. By the way, is Connor McGregor going to box at 190? Oh, man. Like that, again, like it's he's either going for guys that aren't skilled strikers, going or for just- guys that are considerably undersized. Like yeah. he's really smart about the way that he approaches this.
1: Yeah, because Conor McGregor's not going into a 190-pound fight any heavier than 170. I mean, he doesn't cut any weight when he, uh, when he fights a welterweight. Uh, I mean, he'll probably go in at 170. Uh, I, I mean, for me, and I hope I hope this doesn't happen, but I really feel like they'll give BJ Penn uh, a chance here. I know. I, I, I really hope that that doesn't happen because, you know, BJ Penn has been around the block. Uh, a few times and you know i saw him we've seen that video of him getting knocked out by that guy <laughs> on the street and all the stuff that bj penn has gone through i just don't feel like that's the i mean for jake paul that's a big name you know go in there yeah. and do your thing but i definitely don't want to see that but um if he's able to go in there if we can get uh, T Wood in there i would love to see that um uh Dylan Dennis, though, I feel like that's probably going to be the guy. Dylan Dennis or BJ Penn because yeah. just the fights that are that are more favorable for Jake Paul, those are the ones that he's going to definitely yeah. go after. He's not going to go after a T. Wood. I don't even feel like he's going to go after a, uh, the Fury kid. So it's No gonna, way. I, I think like, Tommy
0: Fury, I think, would wax him.
1: Yeah. So uh, And yeah. he's undefeated too, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, don't, think, uh, I don't think he'll touch that, but probably no. Dylan Dennis. Because he's a teammate of Conor McGregor.
0: Right. And he might be the only human being on planet Earth that would make Jake Paul likable.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like,
0: I would have a hard time rooting for Jake Paul against anybody. And then you're like, let me introduce you to Dylan Danis. And I'm like, team Jake motherfucking Paul.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, Dylan Danis. I kind, of forgot, I kind of forgot how much I disliked him until you brought it up. Like, man, yeah. Dylan Dennis for a long time just would come out of the woodworks and just talk the most ridiculous shit just right. for no reason. And you're just like, why, bro?
0: Plus, like, if he I, gets this fight, you know that he's going to lose. And once again, he's like, quote, unquote, representing the MMA community, which is, ugh. No.
1: I mean, for all the people who thought that Ben Ashkin was representing the community, they actually wanted to see Ben Ashkin win. But I feel like a lot of people, even within the MMA community, would love to see Dylan Dennis catch a fat ale by Jake Paul for sure.
0: Absolutely. I'm rooting (laughs) for Jake Paul in that fight. I'm just letting you know. If that's the fight that happens, I'm rooting. I'm actively rooting for Jake Paul to knock him out.
1: I'm right there with you, brother. (laughs) I'm right there with you.
0: And there aren't many people that I feel like would put me in that position, but Dylan Danis is absolutely one of them. Um, all right, we've talked a lot of boxing. We'll get to MMA in a second. I, I, this is kind of a good transition, though, because we had breaking news today. Speaking of Jake Paul, his brother Logan Paul is now going to fight a professional fight against the GOAT. Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul, in a professional boxing match. This
1: is, a uh, Floyd Mayweather, man, that guy knows how to make money. I mean, he sees the the dollar value in these two guys and uh, the Paul brothers, and he knows like these kids can't touch me, right? But I know I'm gonna go in there and get a what? I mean, what's the projected worth of this fight? What two million dollars at the least? <laughs> I mean, come on, man! Like oh, Floyd Mayweather, he'll knows. make
0: way more than that.
1: Well, way, way more than that. You know, yeah. Floyd Mayweather knows how much value comes within his name, and then with Logan Paul's name, so. Floyd Mayweather is so good with with money and stuff. Man, this is just another one of those cases, man. I mean, this is just going to be another one of those shows. And Floyd Mayweather is just going to mess around with this kid and just get paid.
0: Floyd has his following. Then you'll have just the the boxing fans in general that want to watch Floyd fight again. Um, The Paul brothers will bring their own following to this. And then, like I said at the very beginning of this, every human being in America or worldwide that loves watching a train wreck is, is going to be interested in this because you know, who can sell a fight Floyd Mayweather and the Paul brothers. Absolutely. They're going to talk so much shit. There's going to be so many shenanigans leading up to that thing. It's yeah, those guys are making a boatload of cash.
1: Yeah. For man, Floyd Mayweather made all that money with Conor McGregor and you know, how good is Floyd Mayweather, man? You know, just he retires and then he goes and he fights Conor McGregor, then he fights a uh, ex- exhibition fight in Japan or whatever, wherever it was, and now he's coming to, coming out of retirement to I think yeah. it's just an exhibition too at that, right? Uh,
0: I'm 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 not sure the the entire details of it.
1: Well, yeah, man. Like Floyd Mayweather is so good with this with this money stuff, man. I mean, <laughs> gosh. Man, Floyd is good, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh before we get to uh UFC, uh PFL on ESPN. Is it ESPN two tomorrow or ESPN plus? I had that I pulled up a it, second yeah. ago and then I uh I closed it out to look up um how old BJ Penn was, but uh <laughs> PFL on one of the ESPNs. I'm I'm really excited for this. I don't know how much of the um, like photos and everything you've seen of like what they've put together so far, but from a production standpoint, it looks like it's going to be extremely well done.
1: Yeah. I mean, and a lot of these MMA promotions, I mean, I feel like they're still trying to figure it out, but I really feel like PFL has done a really good job at uh, figuring this production stuff out. Not only that, but I feel like they're different. They're a lot different than, um, than all these MMA promotions with the, how they're doing, like, the seasons and everything. Right. Um, PFL, I feel like they're really they're really creative. They're bringing something different. And uh, I feel like a lot of MMA fans are going to gravitate to PFL because, you know, they're getting a lot of uh, UFC guys, names that people know. And, you know, I feel like it's going to be fun, man. I'm interested to see how it goes.
0: Well, and it's, it's also, I think, for people that maybe aren't diehard MMA fans and don't follow the sport year-round because – it's, it's one of those things that if you take a couple months off, then you lose track of, of you know, who's beat who and, uh, you know, the storylines that are attached to every division and the race for belts and just, you know, the, the grudge matches. And I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things I, I've told you over and over that covering college football the way that I had to cover college football. I mean, during football season, it's, you know, for years. I would get completely entrenched in the UFC and then football season rolls around. And then I'm, you know, like finally when football season ends, I feel like I'm just completely lost and having to play catch up again and like relearning, uh, you know, everything that's happening to that point. So um, for the people that aren't following it constantly, having the whole like season thing is probably a little bit easier to follow. And and you kind of have this reset every year. And I think for people that are just you know, general sports fans, that's the way every other sport is is kind of built, right? It's built on a season. You have a start date, you have an end date, and then you start something over. So, that, that I, I think for general sports fans, the format may be a little bit friendlier to to become acquainted with.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, man. And I think, you know, with PFL being so different, um, yeah, a lot of casual fans, I mean, and and hardcore fans included, They're going to gravitate towards this uh, that much more. And then you got such big fighters over there like Anthony Pettis and then Roy McDonald and then like Fabricio Verdun. And I believe, um, Clarissa Shield signed with PFL. Is that that's oh, I haven't seen that right? I believe it was with the PFL that she signed with. And, uh, like they've got so many good fighters over there. So, um, yeah, PFL, um, the MMA world's gonna have to watch out for them for sure.
0: Uh, yes, she's going to make her uh, debut right. in June. There you go. Yeah, that yeah, was actually, I'm seeing that, that, uh, announced today. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Clarissa Shields, you know, the, yeah. the well-known boxer, one of the, uh, one of the great female boxers is coming over to MMA. She's been training with, uh, John Jones and all them, uh, out in New Mexico. So, um, I'm interested to see how she's going to uh, look in the MMA.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um uh, you have uh Kenny Florian and um who else is on the broadcast? Oh man. I saw I saw the tweet today. Um Oh, Randy Couture. Kenny yeah, Florian yeah, and Randy right. Couture are on the broadcast. Uh and then Jonathan Coachman and Ian Parker are doing a a pre fight show. Uh they're connected with DraftKings, so like this thing already has the right connections in the buildup to it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for tomorrow to see how this thing looks.
1: Right away, those names on the broadcast, like those are really, really solid names. Uh, Jonathan yeah. Coach, Coach, and Parker. And then, like, who better to talk MMA than one of the GOATs, Randy Couture? And then Absolutely. you know how, how knowledgeable well this sport that Kenny Florian is. So, uh, man, I'm excited for it, man. It's going to be great.
0: Yeah, and I guess uh, part of the scoring system is like uh, the broadcaster's get to pick who wins and i think there's like a fan vote that counts for part of the vote for who wins so
1: oh man yeah this i think is that's creative. pretty interesting as well yeah. yeah this is really creative man i feel like um if this turns into some type of success a uh, big success at that i feel like yeah. maybe um some other promotions like bellator and one and all these uh, other leagues might try to um Mimic what uh, the PFL is doing. I don't know if the UFC yeah. will do it. They might just look at them like, ah, whatever. But, you know, the yeah. PFL is
0: definitely different. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's review last week UFC fight night. Uh, will, we made five selections. We had one cancellation, and this was the, the fight that we both predicted would be the most entertaining fight of the evening uh, not to be as uh, Jeremy Stevens had to go and push somebody. Uh, and your car close uh sustains an injury uh, i've heard a lot of m m a people talk about this and and it it just kind of sounds like for the most part everybody's like yeah you're just you're very when you're cutting weight and you're not expecting a push like that you're in such a fragile state that um you know this sort of thing can happen so i have to take their word for it
1: yeah I, and I mean that was a A big push. I mean, Jeremy Stevens pushed the hell out of him, and he wasn't expecting it. And, uh, you know, you can see, like, the whip blast. Like, I mean, he pushed him so hard. Like, you can't just count that. He pushed him really hard. And then, you know, a a lot of the UFC fighters are saying the same thing. You know, when you're cutting weight and you're at that point, you know, your brain and everything. Like, So when you take a big collision like that, you know, things can happen, and you you can sustain a concussion and, and everything. So... You know, I definitely believe him. You know, I don't think Jakar Close was uh, in a in any way scared or wanting to you know pull out of a fight or anything.
0: Right. I feel like this
1: was legit because we know how tough that guy is. Yeah, you know, we know he goes in there and wants to be in a slugfest. He, I don't feel like he got pushed and was like, oh, wait. You know, I, I don't think <laughs> yeah, this. Right. I don't think this is a good idea. I don't know if I want to fight this guy now. You know, so um, I definitely feel like you know they'll probably run it back. You know, soon and uh, whenever Close is. Uh, is healed and uh, we'll get to see that fight again and probably when they weigh in they'll probably have a big old <laughs> you know maybe Dana White will be in there in the yeah. middle of this time instead of the co- they'll have the there. COVID
0: shield between them
1: yeah the, the big COVID shield yeah. so you know Jeremy Stevens is intense so you know that yeah. big push you know he probably was just like I'm just ready to fight you know just like just right. wanted to add another layer of intensity to the
0: fight so yeah um this was the only fight that we differed on as far as our picks last week. So man, uh, we both went three and one. I, uh, I, I, I was just shocked that Jacob Malkoon dominated Al Hassan the way that he did. I, I, I think we were both uh, on board with this being a big bounce back fight for Al, Al Hassan. And, and uh, man, he just, you know, he's, he's obviously got a layer of, of his game that he has to work on, but I did not see that coming whatsoever. But uh otherwise, you know, if you throw that one out the window, we were three and zero. So we're just gonna pretend like that one didn't happen. <laughs>
1: man, and for for Al Hassan, man, if I could just touch on him for a little bit. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Uh you lose two in a row, uh, the weight cut was obviously an issue, and then you move up and wait, and then here you're, you're the biggest favorite on the card, and then you just go out there. I believe he was the biggest favorite on the card, but oh, then yeah. he goes out there and gets yeah. completely just decimated. And then, uh, But, you know, I guess we got to give credit to Jacob Alcun as well because, you know, he's one of Robert Whitaker's teammates. You know, he went out there and did his job, didn't let Al Hassan get started whatsoever. You know, we know what Al Hassan's good at, you know, landing the big punch, getting the knockout, and, you know, he was never in position to do that. So uh, all yeah. the credit to him, but, man, Hassan, man.
0: I, Minus 300 you know, favorite.
1: Minus three hundred favorite, man, He got dominated
0: it, it, from start to finish.
1: Dominated, man. Yeah, uh, it, it it was bad. So
0: it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, let go.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Um, that was yeah. I thought that was a really important fight, and uh, to to lose in that fashion as a heavy favorite in what felt like a matchup to get him back on the on the tracks. Yeah. That's uh that's pretty tough. Uh, all right, so we started out the night with Luis Pena and Alex Munoz. Alex Munoz, former Oklahoma State wrestler, by the way. I, I didn't even realize that. I didn't put two and two together there. Uh, but uh, this was a really entertaining fight. Um, I, I think people were even making the argument that Alex Munoz should have uh, been awarded the decision. By the way, Luis Pena, Violent Bob Ross, is on the Mount Rushmore of greatest nicknames of all time.
1: Absolutely. Uh, man, I don't think I've heard anything that even comes close to that, to be honest with you. Violent Bob Ross, that's right up there. And then, you know, the fight itself, I mean, I actually gave it to Munoz. Um, I, I didn't think that Panda did enough. Um, but, you know, it was a really close fight. Uh, Panda definitely showed that he's tough. And uh, he definitely went through the fire, man. Uh, Munoz is tough, man. Um, yeah. He definitely, I believe that was his UFC debut, too, right?
0: No, he, uh, let's see, he fought uh, Hack Parast back okay. in August of last year. So, yeah, it was okay, fight number so, two in the UFC. Yeah,
1: I, I, I knew he was relatively new. So, um, yeah. yeah, for him to have a, a big fight like that on the main card, I mean, we're definitely going to see more of him. And uh, I'm excited for it because he's, he's definitely tough. He's one yeah. to watch.
0: Yeah, he looked good. and And we didn't really see him wrestle much. I mean, it was... Yeah. It was mostly a stand-up fight, and I thought he uh, he at, at times got the better of Luis Pena, who is definitely dangerous on his feet. Yeah. So
1: da- dangerous, and he was the taller fighter, long yeah. he fights, long. But you know, Munoz was was there for he you know he wanted all the smoke. <laughs> you know, he didn't yeah. really uh, touch the wrestling, and I feel like he could have easily scored a decision uh, using uh, the wrestling. But um, I feel like you know with what how the MMA world is now. You want to see exciting fights like that, where it's uh, a majority standing up. So, uh, credit to him, man.
0: Yeah. He's so we both had violent Bob Ross in that fight. Uh, so check mark for both of us in the point column there. Uh, the co-main event, because of the cancellation, Andre Orlovsky and Chase Sherman moved into the co-main event spot. We were both on the Arlovsky side. Um, I, I I don't know that there's really anything that happened in that fight that uh, to me is is worth detailing but uh did anything stand out to you
1: no i mean arlovsky just did you know he's fighting these guys these young guys now whether it's either you have it or you don't and you right. know chase sherman wh- whether he, he's tough and everything but he's, he's just not quite on that level to uh, fight these upper echelon guys yet
0: i kind of get the sense that uh that andre likes that role by the way
1: yeah because he keeps taking these fights all these young guys yeah. he's just like Bring them on, man. And I feel like, you know, they're going to keep using them and not cut them or whatever yeah. because, you know, we've seen what happened with Overeem and JDS. I mean, if, if Arlash are just going to fill that role, why not?
0: Absolutely. And and look, he knows that he's not a championship caliber fighter now. Uh, this is a former champion. So, you know, maybe when you've had that belt around your waist, it's hard to, to stomach the idea that somebody may say you're a placeholder uh, or, um, you know, it, it, I just... I like the fact that he just kind of like, if he wants to keep doing it, he understands his position and that he's not a, a title contender. And they're like, all right, look, we're going to give you this up and coming guy. If he, if he gets past you, then, you know, he kind of gets the the fast pass, but you are the guy that potentially blocks guys from, from getting into that top 10. And I, I just, I think he kind of likes being the spoiler.
1: Yeah. And, and he, and he's fought a lot of the top guys. Like, he fought Stipe. he's fought Francis. he's fought uh, Tom Aspinall, uh, Overeem. Like all of the big name uh, heavyweight Bowser. guys, Tanner Bozer. Yeah. Anyone who's got any type of a name in the heavyweight division, if you want to move up to that upper echelon of the division, you got to get through a guy like Andre Alaski. And yeah. you know he's comfortable in that role, so they they just keep giving him fights, and he'll win he'll win against those guys who aren't ready, and then he'll lose against those guys who are. So that's basically what it is now.
0: Yeah, Uh, the main event, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum. uh, We both had Whitaker in this fight, and I think on the heels of the Vittori Holland fight, given the kind of opponent that Kelvin Gastelum was, I think we were both in agreement last week before this fight happened. If you just win against Kelvin Gastelum because he's just such a tough, gritty guy, that's probably enough to earn you the title shot ahead of what Marvin Vittori had done the week before. Uh, not only did Robert Whittaker just win the fight, but I thought he looked as good as we've ever seen him on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, man, there, there's just a difference, man. Because you know, Vittori looked good, dominated Kevin Holland, and everything. But you know, there was a there was, there was times when you would think, like in the first round for sure, that Kevin Holland could win this fight. You know, the stand up. Kevin Holland was tagging him and everything. But for Whitaker and Gaston, I'm like Whitaker basically outclassed him everywhere. Like there was, you know, you would think that Gaston has an advantage on the ground. Whitaker took it to the ground and was dominating there on the feet. You know, Gaston got this knockout power, but Whitaker definitely, um, just, just outclassed him on the feet, just everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Whitaker just proved that he was the better guy. And, you know, it's just a, a huge difference, you know? Right. Um, Whitaker's uh, dominance and Victoria's dominance, there's just a, a big difference. And you could just see how much better that uh, Robert Whitaker's getting uh, fight by fight. And, you know, for, for me, and I believe for a majority of the world, there's nowhere else for him to go besides a yeah. title shot.
0: He said that on Saturday night. He's like, I've I've beaten everybody that they wanted to give Izzy next. And he's like, I have nowhere else to go. And he's he's absolutely right. Uh, he beat Darren Till. He beat Jared Cannonier. Both of those guys were in line to be the next – title challenger, and and he got the wins over both of those guys. Uh, this was obviously not supposed to be Kelvin Gastelum, uh, and, and I was thinking about this on Saturday night. It's really disappointing when you think about what should have been over the last two weeks. We should have watched Marvin Vittori and Darren Till. We should have watched Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker. I mean, imagine those two headliners back-to-back weeks. That would give us... I mean, I think there's clarity now, but there I mean nobody would even have an argument after those two fights take place as to who would be next so um Unfortunately, we were robbed of those two matchups, but look, credit Kevin Holland for stepping in once again um but you're right i, I think the the difference in the two wins Vittori dominated a guy that obviously has a massive hole in his game. Robert Whitaker dominated one of the toughest fights I think that you can take in that division. And while he made it maybe look easy to a lot of people for 25 full minutes, that's a fight with a guy that's never going to be put away, that's never going to stop. And even if you're winning for 24 minutes in that fight, you still have to be razor sharp for the final 60 seconds or Kelvin Gastelum's a guy that that can end up taking you down. So um, that to me is maybe the most impressive part about the win is not only that he just won for 25 full minutes, but that... He never had a dip. He, he was sharp the entire time. He was focused. Uh, you have to just, the fight IQ, I think, that he showed in that fight uh, just shows that he's taken big steps in the right direction.
1: And yeah, and, and I feel like with each fight, since since that Izzy fight, his fight IQ is getting that much better. I mean, you've seen it with, with Darren Till. Um, he did get dropped in the first round, but I think after that, he just needed to, I think that just woke him up. Like okay, yeah. I'm in, I'm in the fight now. Um, let's let's go. And and from there, he basically um, took Darren Till out. And then uh, Cannoneer, man, that was a masterclass as well. Um, picked him apart for three rounds. Uh, had Cannoneer looking different. Like his face was was yeah. all messed up. And then um, with Kelvin Gastelum, man, uh, I think this has been his best performance of these three wins, man. And that just goes to show he keeps getting better. Man, that combination that he threw, I believe it was in the first round when he landed that head kick and uh, rocked uh, Kelvin Gastelum. That was incredible, man, because, you know, Kelvin Gastelum, he doesn't, he doesn't normally get caught with big shots like that early. You know, it normally happens right. uh, later on in the fight. And it was so quick. You know, uh, Robert kind of has his stance when he, he's kind of jumping around and he kind of ha- is giving you space and everything it kind of gives you a false sense of security. Like, okay, he's kind of filling me out. And then all of right. a sudden he explodes. Yeah, And uh, it was, uh, Kevin wasn't ready for it. And uh, uh, Whitaker has great head kicks, man. He knocked out uh, Brunson with a head kick. Uh, he caught you out Romero with uh, some head kicks in, in their fight. So, um, you know, Robert, he's getting better, but you know, I, I just don't know how that's going to translate to a fight with, Israel Adesanya because and I remember we were texting about this on Saturday I'm just like man I just don't know how that style is gonna work with Izzy man I just don't know
0: I think he is absolutely deserving of the title fight I I think there is nobody else that you can make the argument for I think when you look at that division it's Israel Adesanya and then Robert Whitaker and then everybody else I mean if you're talking about the tiers you know what I mean like Izzy's on a tier of his own I think Robert Whitaker's also on a tier of his own. Uh, he's shown tremendous improvement. Uh, look, I, I thought the Till fight was really close. And if you wanted to make the argument for Till in that fight, I thought there was there was at least an argument to be made. Um, but, you know, the, the completely dominated Cannoneer, obviously dominated Gastelum on Saturday night. I think he's a better fighter. I think he's a smarter fighter. I think he learned a lesson against Izzy, and he has shown that in the Octagon since the Izzy fight. I think we see a completely different version of Robert Whittaker against Adesanya the second time. And I think it's a much better fight the second time. But I think for me, I still kind of fail to see where the path to a victory is. Like, can he compete at a much better level? Will he get finished? I don't think he'll get finished. I think it's probably one of those fights that goes the distance. I think he'll be much smarter. I think he's shown that he's significantly better from a... uh, defensive standpoint. I think he's, you know, just the overall fight IQ. He, he just, he looks so much better on his, on his feet, but ultimately Izzy's length and distance management is such a problem where I, you know, even if it's a better fight and he fights smarter, I still don't know where he scores to win the fight is, is the problem for me. Um, I think he's, he's one of the most likable guys in the entire UFC, big fan, big fan of Robert Whitaker. I I hope that this is a massive pay-per-view card in New Zealand and uh you know they they get this this monster sequel show but yeah I'm I'm with you I just I don't know where the path to victory comes from
1: yeah so I I I went back and I watched the first fight um and it just kind of seemed like I you know of course I don't know what the game plan is but from what it looked like it just seemed like Rob knew that Izzy's really good at covering distance. So he yeah. knew that he had to get inside somehow. And it just seemed like he was just going to do whatever it took to get inside that reach and it felt that Izzy reckless, was right.
0: Get... It was like a reckless, yeah. yeah, approach. Very
1: reckless. And and you normally don't see Rob like that, you know. Right. In all of his fights even before that Izzy fight. You normally don't see him like that. He's 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 laid back and he kind of lets the fight come to him, but he was trying to take the fight to Izzy. And I think in a way you kind of have to do that because Izzy's going to let the fight come to him, you know, he's not going to overexert himself. Um, And I I think Izzy's one of the best at that. So I think Rob knew that he had to go get inside somehow. And then, you know, watching the Kelvin fight, I mean, Kelvin landed some big shots on him. So I'm sure Rob was like, if Kelvin can do that, I'm sure I can land some shots on him too. So I think now, especially after um, Jan did what he did to Izzy, as far as the wrestling and everything, I think Rob will use his wrestling a lot more. Uh, I think he won't be uh, rushing in like he was because that's what got him knocked out was the counter strikes. Uh, right. That's what got him dropped twice. So um, I definitely feel like he'll be more laid back and he'll use a lot more wrestling, and that's going to make for a very, uh, a very good fight, a closer fight, but still at the end of the day, I'm just not sure if it's enough.
0: Yeah, I, I will say two things. I, I think number one. I feel like he was feeling the pressure going into that fight, right? Like, he was the champion. Adesanya's, like, the hottest, you know, prospect in, in the sport, and I just, I I felt like he was feeling so much pressure going into that fight, and that maybe speaks to the recklessness inside the octagon. The second thing, and I think everybody that's that's fought, Izzy has been guilty of this, is not respecting the power, right? Like, yeah. I mean, Izzy kind of makes a joke about, you know, I don't have to be powerful when I'm precise, and he talks about the precision, but I kind of feel like everybody that fights Izzy just doesn't real like, they think, yeah, he's he's really sharp and, and he'll hit me on the dot, but there's not a lot behind it. And then every time when they get hit with shots, they're like, oh, this guy has way more power than I thought he did, and it's, it's so crazy to me to see fighter after fighter after fighter kind of go through that realization process every single time. So I, I think the second time around, he's not going to feel the pressure. He's not going to feel like he just has to like force something to happen because the other guy has so much momentum and he has to defend the belt. I think there's probably a, a freeness to the approach. Uh, and then secondly, again, I, I think like he understands that this guy can drop me with the right shot. Like it's, you know, when you've, when you have felt that, uh, you understand what you can get away with and what you can't. And, uh, you know, even I, I think even Jan said that uh a- after he beat Izzy that Izzy w- like wasn't quite as fast as he thought he would be, but was still, you know, had had more pop than he thought he would. So
1: Yeah, and, and I'm curious to get your take on this. Um so the first fight, all the pressure was on Rob. It was in his home country, you know, like it was in his backyard basically. Izzy's kind of coming in as the guy. Um undefeated fighter you know he got he was real cool comic collected and you can just see when rob was walking to the octagon how you can tell he was really trying to pump himself up and get prepared for this fight so by the time the fight started he's he's so ready that he's fighting reckless right but i'm i'm curious so for the second fight is the pressure more on izzy than on rob this time around because we've seen izzy just lose He needs to rebound and get, you know, that win back and get that uh, invincible uh, status back on him. So is there more pressure on Izzy this time around, or is it still on Rob?
0: I think there's more pressure on Izzy, but I also don't think Izzy, like, I I don't think the pressure weighs as heavy on Izzy as it probably does on other people. I think he's just got that sort of personality where that doesn't have as big an impact. So if if it were a pressure situation, I would say that, all the elements to me would point more toward Izzy's side feeling that, but I also think he's kind of unique in the way that I don't think that that pressure for him weighs as heavy and and alters maybe his approach as it does for other people. So, and look, he he took the yawn fight to, you know, potentially, like, be a a champ champ, and, like, there was so much to gain with that. Uh, He knows he's dominant at 185. Like, he knows he's the the king of the middleweights as, as uh, you know, we hear John annex scream every time they replay uh, the Perfect. Robert Whitaker knockout. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that that Izzy would feel the same amount of pressure, but the elements point toward it being that way. I do think that this is a, a no, a no lose situation for Robert Whittaker, right? Like he, he was the yeah. champ. He got knocked out by this guy. Like even in the press conference on Saturday night, uh, somebody asked Robert Whittaker about the Izzy tweet where he said like, good job, my son or whatever the tweet was. And he kind of laughed and he was like, yeah, I mean, he knocked me out. He, he gets to do that. He has the bragging rights. Like, what am I going to say? I can't say anything. I lost to the guy. (laughs) So like he doesn't have anything to lose. And I, I I think even just seeing him kind of react that way to the, the little bit of trash talk from a single tweet just kind of shows that he understands he's in a, in a no lose situation. Like you lose to this guy again, okay? Like nothing changes. You're you're not you're not the champ yeah. now. You you wouldn't be the champ again and you would have lost to the same guy. So you know, you're better than everybody else, but you're below this one guy. Like nothing really changes if you lose to this guy again. But if you win, once again you're you're the Everything champ. Changes. So yeah, I think uh it's a really interesting dynamic, but for Izzy, you know, I, I he's just uh he he's He's got so much arrogance, and I think that's part of what makes him great.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's definitely got so much arrogance. And, you know, on top of that, it's, it's, there's a lot of confidence there, but it's not it's not confidence to the point where it's cockiness, you right. know. I, I think he just goes in, and all these people, that go at him and they talk all this noise to him, like Paulo Costa was coming at him with some reckless stuff. But that's, but, you know, he went into that fight and didn't break away from the game plan at all. No matter how hard that Paulo Costa tried doing all the antics in fight. Yeah. Didn't break, didn't break the game plan. He went in there and picked his leg apart. And then when the knockout came, he took it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I just don't see how anybody's going to be able to, you know, especially at 185. I just don't see, you know, he's got such a, uh, a height advantage or reach advantage on all these guys, especially Rob, it, you know, I just feel like Rob's going to have to go revert to taking chances to get inside that reach.
0: Eventually. yeah. And,
1: and I just don't see, I mean, he's going to see it coming. He's, he's too good of a striker. And then I feel like with him fighting a guy like Jan, who's able to get to him, uh, that's just only going to help him against a guy like Rob, who's, who can't really get to him like that. So yeah. I, I don't know, man. It'll be interesting, man.
0: Yeah. By the way, I do think Izzy shows cockiness, but I don't think that's his mentality as far as the approach to the fight. He's cockiness for the the showmanship and the, you know, the selling job that you have to do if you're going to oh, be successful yeah. in this sport. Like he's extremely cocky in that way, because look, when you're cocky, you're going to sell more pay-per-views. Uh, you know, you're, 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 evoking a greater emotion from people that want to either watch you win or lose. But I, I, in terms of his mentality, I think it's, there's an arrogance there that is built on confidence and not necessarily cockiness. So just to kind of clarify uh, what I meant by that. Uh, All right. You ready to uh, let's do UFC 261 Usman Masvidal. Deuce.
1: I'm excited, man. Let's do it, brother.
0: All right. Uh, we had the press conference today. Um, I, before we make picks, anything stand out to you? The press conference,
1: man. Uh, I, and I texted you this uh, earlier. I just didn't feel like Masvidal was as uh, was as confident as he normally is. Like you know, I have seen him in press conferences with uh, Ben Askren and uh, Nate Diaz and uh, and all these guys, and I just felt like you know there was like a, a certain swagger to Masvidal uh, leading up to those fights. Yeah. But in this one, I didn't I didn't really see it, especially after Usman, you know, said what he said about his record and uh, being a journeyman. And, you know, I chose you. I everything. chose you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, after he said that, I feel like I was kind of like, oh, OK, like I feel like, you know, all the confidence kind of went left <laughs> after that. So that, that's what stood out mostly to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I agree with you. I don't. I don't. I don't feel like he was as vibrant as he normally is in those situations. But I think the thing that stood out to me, maybe more than anything else, was just Kamara Usman's demeanor. Like this dude looks ready to hurt somebody. <laughs> like it just. I, I. I feel that that win over Gilbert Burns. I think like he already had a like drive, but I think just the new weapon and. Uh, you know, feeling like, Hey, maybe I've got something in my hands that I can start using a little bit more often. Like there is, I just feel like there's a different demeanor to Usman or a different mentality. I don't know what, like, he looks like he's just like super excited to go hurt somebody. Uh, and look, we talked about this before the Burns fight. Usman is a very underrated fighter. Why? because he doesn't have a ton of finishes in his career. He's won a bunch of decisions. And look, it's the smart fight. But when you finish people, you get, you know, you get more notoriety. You get, uh, you get the, the highlight uh, clips that are going to play all over Twitter. Like it's, that's, that's what the, the general public enjoys. And to win as dominantly as he did against Gilbert Burns, I feel like has just maybe ignited this other gear in Kamaru Usman, and then went like the face-off. Like, he walks all the way up to the line, and then, like, after it was over, he doesn't even budge, doesn't even flinch. He just stands there, stone-faced, still staring down. <laughs> Masvidal, I was like, good lord.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, Usman, he he's intense, man. Uh, you know, a lot of times people are talking all this noise to sell the fight, but when Usman talks, when he says everything that he says about What he wants to do to guys, uh, how he wants to break their spirit, break their soul—you really feel that. Like, and when he goes out there and he fights, like you could, you could just see. I mean, there's a reason why Usman went out there against Kobe Covington, and it was all stand up. I mean, if if Usman wanted to go into his wrestling bag and take him down, I'm sure he could have.
0: Yeah.
1: But you know, Usman wanted to break his spirit in the way that nobody expected him to, with the stand up, and he got the finish. and like and then over a course of five rounds what how he can dominate people these are fights where they're not even close like right. i've seen Usman win fights 50 to 43 50 to 44 not even a, not even 150 to 45 on the on the uh, judges scorecards he's dominating. Didn't he these have
0: fights. a 50-43 against uh, Masvidal?
1: I think he did. Yeah, i think he had a 150-43 and the rest were like 50-45 So, yeah, I mean, the way that he's dominating guys, I mean, you don't see it often. And, you know, like he says, you know, we need to put more respect on his name. And I think after a fight with Gilbert Burns, it sucks that it's taken this long for people to want to give him respect just because he got a finish that nobody expected him to against a guy like Burns. But, uh, you know, now we're starting to see, like, you know, this guy is intense. You know, uh, he backs up all of his talk, no matter how cocky or whatever it is you know, he backs it up when he goes out there. And, um, I think finally now everyone's starting to realize like Kamaru Usman is, yeah. is a problem. Like he says,
0: Did you feel like there was another level to his intensity today or is, or am I just like getting caught up in the moment?
1: Man. Uh, yeah, I definitely did feel like there was another level because I think he was wanting to shut down any hope that Masvidal had, uh, as far as wanting to thinking that he'd win this fight. Like, any, level, any layer of confidence that Masvidal had, I think Usman wanted to shut that down in the presser. I mean, before before the weigh-ins, before the fight itself, he wanted to shut that down in the presser, and yeah. I really think that he did that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, my advice, uh, Chad Ochocinco, watch how much you decide to bet <laughs> on this thing.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome, though, because I didn't really... Yeah. Uh, of course, he had his mask on, so he couldn't really tell. Right. And then Masvidal was like hey, man, is that Chad Ocho Cinco? I was like, oh, that's him? talking. About-. And I'm sure Usman's like, okay, Ocho Cinco. Yeah, put your money on off if you want to.
0: <laughs> All right, before we make our picks on the main card, uh, anything for you on the prelims that really stands out that uh, that you think people should pay attention to?
1: Man, um, right away, uh, Alex Oliveira Randy Brown. I mean, Alex Oliveira is never in a boring fight. He always goes in there to bring it. And, uh, you know, Randy Brown, I feel like just stylistically, those two guys mesh really well, and that's going to be a really, really exciting fight. Uh, And then Carl Roberson and Brendan Allen, uh, two uh, up-and-coming guys who are trying to get to that upper tier uh, here in the middleweight division. So um, those are two fights I'm really looking forward to. And then on the early prelims, there are a lot of, Uh, Unknown uh, fighters who are kind of making their debuts from the contender series and everything. So um, I definitely feel like it's going to be a very, very fun night of fights right
0: from the beginning. Amen. All right. Let's uh, let's get to our main card selections for UFC 261. Uh, Going back to last week, I scored. Let's see, five points. Uh, You scored five points which brings our total to 37 for me, 33 for you. So a four-point lead in my favor. But UFC 261 brings opportunity, Will. We have three title fights, and as you know, all title fights and all main events are worth three points apiece. So uh, nine points are up for grabs just in the final three fights of the night. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, You you, could—I mean— conceivably you could have a massive lead by the time we talk this time next week.
1: Yeah, man. Um, as far as all three of these, like for them to be all three points, it kind of just makes me think like, ah, do I really want to take like the chances on all three of them? Or do I just kind of want to play it a little safe? So I'm kind of interested to see how you go. I'm, right. I'm really, really glad that you're going first on a car like this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, uh, when I was when I was uh going over my picks earlier today, I was like, man, this would be ideally this would be the card that Will went first and I could pick my opportunities on where I wanted to go uh on the other side of things. So um yeah, here you go. Look, it, it starts out with one that I'm I'm very conflicted about. Um there are there are three fights of the five that that I've been pretty torn over. So uh, and you, you probably are, are there on the same three fights. So we start in the light heavyweight division. The number 6, 205-er is Anthony Smith. He is 34-16. and 16. Against Jimmy Crute, who is the number 13, 205-er, he is 12-1. and one. Jimmy Crute is the betting favorite, minus 210. Anthony Smith, plus 170. Um, you know, this is, this is a, a guy that's on the rise. This is a guy that looks like he could be Uh, part of the future of this division against a guy that has been there done that seen it all in this division and look a guy that I don't by any means think is finished Um, he had a couple of losses a year ago Uh, there there are you know there are also some things that happen outside the octagon that people have you know well documented as far as things he was dealing with uh, and I mean, if you want to talk about the two guys that he lost to, he, he lost to Glover Teixeira, who's about to fight for the title, and he lost to Rockage, who just beat Thiago Santos, and if he didn't uh, win a boring fight, might be next in line for a, a title fight. So uh, it's not like the two losses that he he sustained recently are to nobodies. I mean, it's, it's the best of the best. Um, I also, like, I have a hard time sometimes picking when I really like the personality of one of these guys. And Anthony Smith is about, you know, I I mentioned this with Robert Whittaker earlier, like Anthony Smith is about as likable as it gets in this sport, right? Like every time you see an interview or anything from him, he's, he's so thoughtful in everything that he says. Uh, he just seems like a genuinely good dude. That's just completely honest and truthful about everything he talks about. So that, that, uh, that also, I always have to do my best to block that out and just think about the fight. Um, I'm going to go, I, I'm gonna go with the favorite here. I, I just I have a feeling about Jimmy Croot and the rise. Uh, I think this is gonna be a, a great fight. Uh, in fact, this might be the very best fight on the entire card for me., uh, but I'm gonna go Jimmy Croot.
1: Man, uh, so yeah, like you know you were conflicted on this fight. I've been pretty conflicted on it as well. Um, just the Styles, man. you know, Jimmy Croot definitely. Um, there's a lot of hype about him and rightfully so, um, he's won all of his fights, uh, outside of one. And that was to Misha Sirkunov, And I think it was, to it, a guy who, yeah, it was to damn it Misha. Um, uh, and it was to a guy who was pretty well-rounded everywhere. And I feel like, um, Anthony Smith presents that challenge where, you know, he's a good striker. He's great on the ground. Can't, has Jimmy Crute made the necessary adjustments, improvements, everything to, um, beat a guy like Anthony Smith, who's at the top six of the division. If he gets a win over Anthony Smith, he automatically like jumps into the upper echelon of the division. Like you said, Anthony Smith has been there, done that, fought everyone, uh, fought for the title. Fought, he's fought John Jones, um, made it in multiple, uh, fight night cards and, uh, went to Sweden and submitted Alexander Gustafson, you know? So, Anthony Smith's been around the block, you know. You know, he his record speaks for itself. Um, it all comes down to the question of has Jimmy Crew made those necessary improvements and uh, adjustments to his game? And you know, for a fight like this, um, as conflicted as I am, you know, for this one, I'm just gonna go opposite of you and I'm gonna pick uh, the betting underdog, Anthony Lionheart Smith.
0: I like it. I, I like that you went opposite. Uh, it it gives me even more rooting interest uh, because there's actually points at stake beyond just you know my own rooting interest. But uh, yeah, I hate rooting against a guy that I like so much.
1: And Anthony Smith, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it, it, you know, like you said, with all the interviews that he does, everything that he says, it just seems so genuine and yeah. so real. And then like we saw what happened when Aljamain Sterling took that knee from Peter Yawn. When when John Jones need Anthony Smith, um, Anthony Smith could have did the same thing. He could have went down and uh, you know in agonizing pain. I mean, uh, the the knee definitely left like a cut on his nose and uh, and everything. And the doctors went right up to him and they were like, "Hey, are you okay?" He was like, "Yeah, I'm good to fight. Like it's okay. Like, yeah. you know, like I feel like just that itself just showed like, you know." And then, you know, people gained more respect for him. And then people were t- call him stupid, like, why didn't you take the title? You know, you could have been champion, you know. And, you know, it just goes to show, you know, he doesn't want to win the title like that. It was a fight that he was losing by a wide margin. So, yeah, um, credit to him for that. But yeah, like you said, it's hard not to like a guy like Anthony Smith. And, uh, you know, he's had a, uh, you know, a few tough fights, but he got back on track against a young guy like Devin Clark. And we'll see if he can uh, take out a young upcom- upcomer like Jimmy Cruz.
0: All right. Fight number two on the main card in the middleweight division. We have another matchup with ranked opponents. Number nine, Uriah Hall, 16-9 and nine overall. Number 11, Chris Weidman, 15-5 and five overall. Chris Weidman, also a former champion. Weidman is the one- minus-125 favorite. Uriah Hall is plus-105. I don't think that this fight will be as entertaining as the fight we just discussed. Um, Because stylistically, it just... I I think it it just doesn't match up to where I think it's just a a thriller. Uh, But I've been torn on this one quite a bit. Um, It it basically just... I I think you have to just decide where you think this fight is going to take place and there's your champion. So um, I, I think that... Weidman is the favorite because if he gets it to the ground, I, I think it's, uh, he's going to win the fight there. Um, I'm going to go with the underdog here, though. I, I just, uh, have a feeling that, uh, this will just be Uriah Hall's night against Chris Weidman. So, uh, I'm going to go on the other side of things. I'm going to go with, uh, give me the, the plus guy in fight number two.
1: Man, I, uh, I'll tell you what, um, I've never really been sold on Chris Weidman for all these years that he's been around. I've never really been sold on him. While I do believe he's good as far as being like one of the best, I always felt like there were guys who were better than him. Like when he knocked out Anderson Silva, you know, I just felt like a bolt of lightning just hit that night. He won great. (laughs) And then, um, you know, the next fight, Anderson Silva breaks his leg. Great. You know, he wins that. And then I felt like he fought a lot of, older Brazilians who were kind of on the, you know, their, their last leg. And, you know, he's a young stud, you know, at the time he was a young stud and, you know, he was getting those wins. But when he fought a guy like um, who was kind of on the same level as him in Luke Rockhold, um, Luke Rockhold uh, took the title from him and uh, showed a lot of deficiencies in Chris Weidman's game. And since then he's kind of just been, you know, win some, lose some, you know, get knocked out here, get knocked out there, or, you know, get a get a decision win here. Um, so for me, um, I like to- Two and five
0: the- uh, since the Rockhold fight.
1: Yeah, man, like two and five, you know, after coming off of uh, being the champion, you know, I just feel like, you know, he was taking, uh, I mean, granted, he's just fighting the next contender, but he was fighting guys who were on their last leg. And you know when he's fighting, you know these these young hungry guys, you know like the Kelvin Gastelum and the um, man who did he lose to? Uh, Dominic Reyes, you know those type guys. Um, I think it just shows, you know, you know the sport's evolving. His wrestling's not as dominant as as it was back in the day. So um, he said, you know, he he looks to be pretty good. You know, he's had a lot of injuries. Um, I heard an interview with him when he did with Ariel. He seemed like he was in good spirits. He seemed yeah. like his training went really well. But you know, I just think you know Uriah Hall's going to get it done. I feel like if Uriah Hall is confident and just goes out there and fights, um, I think Uriah Hall can get this done.
0: Uh, how much do you buy into uh, the Uriah Hall big stage factor, and and uh, how many disappointments there's been as far as that goes?
1: I mean, that's warranted because it, it's happened. You know, he's he's lost some some very some very winnable fights. fights He should have won. Uh, fights that uh, should have him, taken him to that upper echelon of the division. But he always loses that fight right before. But I feel like uh, over the course of these last few fights, he's fought a lot smarter. Um, I feel like coming off a of tough, uh, that big knockout that he got, that spinning wheel kick that was the, probably the best knockout in tough history. I feel like just there was a lot of pressure on him right out of the gate to just be that guy who gets the the crazy knockout, right? Yeah. And I feel like now he's starting to get it to where um, he doesn't have all that pressure on his shoulders. Now he's going out there to fight. Now he's going out there to win fights and not just be the, the most exciting guy. So um, I feel like uh, now uh, his confidence is up. I mean, against Anderson Silva, you know, he was fighting, he was fighting, you know, probably one of the greatest ever. And, you know, I think that showed in the fight that he's like, oh, man, I'm fighting Anderson Silva. You know, I don't know if I really want to hurt him. But when it came down to it, knowing that he had to just finish the fight, that's what he did. So I feel like uh, it's going to go similar to that. And Uriah Hall's going to get the knockout.
0: Do uh, do you know how old these each of these guys is?
1: Uh, OK, I'm, I'm going to take a guess. Okay. I know they're both in their 30s. Uh, I think Chris Weidman is 36 and okay. Uriah Hall's 35.
0: They're both thirty six, actually. Um, I I I don't know why. Uh, I just I feel like it, maybe it just feels like Weidman's been on the bigger stage for longer, so it just kind of feels like he's an older thirty six than Uriah Hall is. Like I would have guessed, there was like two or three years difference.
1: Yeah, because I, I think it's because, like you said, Weidman's been on the bigger stage for, and for uh, Uriah Hall, yeah, for for a long time since man, when did he beat Anderson Silva? Like, that was probably 2012, 2013, something. Yeah, to, you know, like eight or nine 21. years ago. Yeah, so, and, you know, Uriah Hall is just kind of, um, you know, been at the – I mean, he's had made events before in, on fight nights and stuff, but, you know, uh, nothing too major. And, you know, now he's finally starting to really uh, reach his potential. So that's why I definitely feel like Uriah Hall is going to win this one.
0: All right, so we are on the same side of that one. Uh, no point differential in fight number two on Saturday night. All right, you ready for these three pointers?
1: Yeah, man, let's do it, man. Three, we're jumping right into the title fights, man. It's not even going to feel that way on the on the night. Like we're going to have two fights, and all of a sudden, I know top championship triple header, like John Attix says. So yeah. it's going to be great. I can't wait.
0: The women's flyweight championship, Valentina Shevchenko twenty and three overall against Jessica Andraj twenty one and eight. Valentina is a minus five hundred favorite. Andraj plus three fifty. We last saw Andraj actually fighting a weight class lower against uh, against Rose, while she definitely looked bigger at one fifteen. I, I don't know why I just I was I was kind of shocked at how much bigger Valentina was today when they stood next to each other. because uh, I kind of thought that it would be closer than that. but Valentina definitely looks like the the bigger fighter. Uh, and maybe once again, it's just because we've seen Andraj fighting lower and so she looked uh, bigger and it's, you know, it's just the perception. but um, this is this is all Valentina for me. I, obviously the greatest champion. Uh, in that weight class, and uh, on the Mount Rushmore of women's MMA fighters, so yeah, Valentina, she- Valentina Shevchenko.
1: Well, um, I'll say this, for what, for what it's worth, I definitely feel like um, Jessica Andrade presents the biggest challenge in that division for her, because a lot of these fighters, when they go up against Valentina, they show her so much respect, as far as they know how dangerous she is. So they kind of question whether they're going to go in and, and everything. But I just don't think that that's just in Jessica Andrade's mind, you know, like I don't, I think she's of the mindset of, I don't care who's in front of me. I'm going to go forward no matter what pressure. I literally, I literally watched, um, I literally watched Rose Namajunas piece her up for an entire round going backwards. And Jessica Andrade was just continually going forward. Like, not, nothing that Rose did, no matter how hard she hit her, uh, Jessica was still going forward. Um, I, I The way I see this fight, um, the way that I thought about uh, Izzy and uh, Yoel Romero, when they you know, of course the fight played out how it played out. but I you know, Jessica's the scariest girl in that division, and Valentina is definitely the best striker in that division, and Jessica is gonna bulldoze and just gonna move forward and Valentina's just going to have to be elusive. She's going to have to move and uh but I think Valentina's just that good of a striker. Her fight IQ is really yeah. really really high. And you know like you said, I think this is Valentina all day.
0: Yeah. Um Jessica could do that though, I think against Rose consistently because she's so much heavier, right? Like she's just she's thicker and a- again, I think like just looking watching those two square off today at the press conference, I I was, I was actually surprised. I thought that it would be a, a, a closer situation and Valentina definitely is significantly larger. So I think the pressure works, but it also works when you're, you know, you're the heavier fighter. You're the, you, you have more presence. Um, That's, that's not really the case here. So I don't know. We'll see. I think there will be pressure, but uh, will it be the same style consistently uh, against Valentina I, I don't know that's a question for me so but but she's certainly going to begin the fight that way without a doubt
1: for sure absolutely she's going to be in her face and then it's it's going to take Valentina you know having to throw uh, a head kick or a, uh, land a, a big combination and then maybe Jessica will start using uh reverting to wrestling because that's yeah. something that um uh Jennifer Maya used on Chef Shaco had some success so uh, and i'm I think uh Jessica might be stronger uh than Jennifer Meyer. she's definitely shorter, but she might be stronger. Jessica's fought at uh, one thirty five um earlier in her in her career uh and then she dropped all the way down to one fifteen before this one twenty five division was uh, yeah. brought in. you know now she's here now she's fighting for the title, so um yeah man i I just don't think she's got uh the the tools to be Valentina though
0: agreed all right, our co main event. For the strawweight championship, we have Zhang Whaley twenty-one and one against Thug Rose Namahunas nine and four overall. Whaley is a minus two ten favorite. Rose plus one seventy. I have literally changed my mind on this fight <laughs> at least five times today. Uh, in fact, probably about twenty minutes before we started recording. I pulled up a picture of both of them and I just, uh, showed it to my wife and said, just pick somebody here. She was like, for what? I was like, don't worry about it. Just pick somebody. Uh, because that's what I was resorting to. Um, and I I mentioned this with Anthony Smith. Part of this might be once again where I really have like a rooting interest on one side of this. And, uh, that I think sometimes it's just hard for me to want to root against the person that I like in the matchup. Um, I, I want to pick Rose in this fight. I, I will say that I'm gonna pick Whaley. I, I and and you know what? Here's the other thing. If I didn't rewatch the Whaley Yu Ja fight today, I, I might have actually ended up settling on Rose. But about the time that I was pretty sure I was gonna go with Rose, I was like, you know what? let's let's rewatch that fight. just and the, she just she, there's I, she has so much power. She can take so much damage without really even slowing down um i yeah I think this is for as much as i I like Rose's improvement. I love what she's done with trevor Whitman um she looked especially in the first two rounds against andage she looked so sharp um i I just think that that Wehaley is too much at the end of the day over the course of five rounds, so I don't want to do it, but uh zhang Wei and still
1: man so uh. I'm right there with you, man. As soon as this fight was announced, I mean, you look at this fight and it's like, ooh, like, because you know how great that Wei and Joanna was. And then you just think back to the fights that Rose had with Joanna, you know, yeah. Rose beat her twice. So, you know, I actually, that might, it might've been yesterday. Um, I watched, I rewatched Rose, two. Yeah. I rewatched Wei Lee and Joanna. I rewatched Rose and Andrade, both of those fights. And uh, man, I mean, I go back and forth on this just like you did. Um, it comes down to two things for me. It comes down to Whaley's power and then Rose's movement. Because the way that Rose moves, especially early, the first two rounds, when when Rose is on her game and she's normally on her game early, no one can can mess with her. Like, like. Yeah. Rose when she's when she's on like just moving around in and out like she'll she'll throw a three piece combination and she's right Use back the out. the
0: length is an advantage, yeah.
1: Yeah, uses the length perfectly. Uh Trevor Whitman has definitely got her uh I mean because the the way that she started when coming out of the tough like she was nowhere near how she is now. Trevor Whitman has worked with her and yeah. got her just such a crazy crazy good striker. Um so I think early on, Waley, uh, Rose's movement's really going to frustrate Whaley. And I feel like it's going to look early on, it's going to look like Rose just just has a a step up on her. But I think as as time goes on, if Rose isn't able to get her out of there, as time goes on, Whaley's power is going to um, eventually you know add up. And then the movement is not going to look as crisp uh, of Rose. And Whaley's going to be able to land more strikes. So it's going to come down to... In the later rounds, if Rose is able just to muster enough energy to to keep her movement on track, um, I was definitely prepared, you know, because I was so conflicted on this fight. I was prepared just to go opposite of you, yeah, and that's what I'm gonna do. Okay, um, you, pick, you picked you picked Whaley. Uh, I actually thought you were gonna go Rose, so I was confident in picking Whaley, but you went uh, Whaley, <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna go Rose.
0: All right, I like it. I like it. Uh, I when I said I I wish that uh, this was a card that you were picking, it was for that exact reason because if sure. I were going second in this fight, I would have just taken whoever you didn't take uh, for the sake of being on the other side of it. And look, I, I again, I think that Rose is so skilled, and I love watching her compete. But like when you look at how many times Joanna hit Whaley and it, it, I mean, she hit her with big shots and it never really felt like anything phased her. I mean, she was in the fifth round. She was fantastic. It was just, it was unreal to watch. And on the other side of that, I do feel like Rose over the course of time does feel those impacts and it does. Have an impact on her style and how sharp she looks, and like you said, her movements and the in and out, and you know, even just going back to the Andrade fight, like she was in trouble in the third round of yeah. that fight, and obviously, you know, we've all seen the pictures uh, of her, you know, the eye and, and everything doing the the post fight interview after she won, and she clearly won the fight, but in the third round when she got hit a couple times, the fight drastically swung the other way, uh, and. I think that's just the difference. I I do feel like there's going to be times in this fight where Rose is doing her thing and looks like the better fighter. I just don't think that that is to the point that it it really impacts what Wayley does in her moments. And when Lee has those moments, I think that over the course of five rounds will certainly diminish Rose's abilities. So, uh, man, I really like I I really struggled to put all that together today because again, I think uh, part of it is just like. Rose is one of my favorite fighters. So,
1: Yeah, man. It's hard not to like Rose, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, shaves head, uh, such a, a, a delicate person. You know, just everything that she talks about, wanting to make the world a better place. You know, how can you not like yeah. someone like, like Rose? And then when she goes in there, she's just such a great striker. You know, she puts everything on the line. Um, loses with class, wins with class. Um, so it's hard not to like someone like Rose, and then, right. you know, Waylee. You know, we just don't know what she what she's ever saying because you know she's <laughs> in China.
0: Yeah. So, we, well, look, we don't even know what her interpreter is saying.
1: It, it, exactly. So, like,
0: remember the you know, remember Rogan trying to like get him to to get his shit together after oh, the was, uh, Joanna fight because he's like cracking up and so giggling excited. and like yeah, he was so yeah, he excited. Was,
1: yeah. He was so excited, and then like. Joe is like, yeah, you, he's like, oh, I'm just so excited, man. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's like, get it together, man. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. But, it, it, I mean, it's just the same thing for Whaley. You know, see, you know, Rose said some very controversial stuff leading up to this fight. But, you know, anybody else, I feel like when it comes to their country, would have been way more, you know, angry with the comments that were made. But, you know, Whaley's just like, yeah. I would love to take Rose. Uh, around China showing around, you know, just, you know, it seemed like Wei is also a, a really genuine, good person. And even uh, watching the Embedded series, um, when uh, Andrade, uh, cause you know, she took the belt from Jessica yeah. Andrade. And Andrade's her. she was like, it's good to see Jessica Andrade. You know, uh, it's good just, you know, be able to be in the same vicinity and not have any, you know, hard feelings and everything. So, yeah. uh, you know, you can just tell that Wei is a good person too. But you know, when both of these ladies get out there, it's, it's just going to be very, very high-level uh, MMA. And, it, it, you know, Whaley and Joanna showed that that their striking can be just as high-level as the men. You know, we can sit there and watch yeah. these, two, these two women have a chess match and it just be that much exciting. And I feel like just the styles with Rose and Whaley, just how sophisticated the strikers that they are, how technical that they are, we're going to get to see that again. It's going to be very high-level stuff.
0: By the way, re-watching that uh, Joanna Lee fight, uh, I was reminded that that was the co-main event. And as great as that fight was, it was the co-main event of one of the biggest duds of all time, uh, Romero and Adesanya. Yeah. yeah. I'd completely I mean, forgotten that those two fights were on the same card because you literally went from... I mean, just an all-time classic to... All-time dead. What are they doing?
1: (laughs) Somebody do something, anything. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, especially when you... After a fight like that, that was so exciting. And then for them to just go out there and completely stink the joint out. Like, come on, man. Like, you got fans who are just craving more violence. Because that fight was as violent as it got. Like, Whaley hit Joanna in the forehead. Formed a huge hematoma. That thing got... You could just see it for me. Didn't even look like the
0: same person at the end of the fight. Yeah,
1: yeah, didn't look like the same person. Looked like some type of alien or something. But you, what? What? Waylee was hitting Joanna on that hematoma, and I'm like, that is just some, that is some vicious violence, dude. Stuff. You know how many
0: times the first, to, like the first time when I was watching that fight that night, I cringed so many times when Waylee would hit that hematoma. Like, I didn't know if it was gonna like bust or like. <laughs> if something really bad was going to happen, but there was just something about her continuing to punish her there that I was just like, man, I li- I like gory things, but this is uh this is intense for me. Yeah. Like this is making me feel some sort of way.
1: Yeah. And like they were showing a slow motion, like whenever Whaley would hit the hematoma and the hematoma would kind of move. You're just like, ah, oh, come on, man. Like that's, that's just bad. Uh, and then Joanna yeah. just going to the corner, just yeah. just touching it, and you're just like, ah, oh. like you know that that, that yeah. has to be so painful. And then she finished the fight, like she got that hematoma in like the third round, yeah, and then finished the fight. And it was just it got more exciting as the rounds went on. So, ah, uh, crazy good fight. It, there's a reason why it's one of the probably the greatest fight in women's MMA history. I've never seen one think. better.
0: I mean, I, I I, obviously have not watched all the women's fights, but I, I've never seen one that's even close to that, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, uh, agree, Same here. And it's crazy to even think that people are saying, like, Whaley and Rose has a chance to even surpass what Whaley and Yoana did. It's crazy even say that, but yeah. we can see it for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, stylistically, uh, again, I mean, Rose has beat Ioana twice. So. Yeah. That's it's that's gonna be a, a freaking blockbuster, dude. I, I can't wait for that fight. Uh by the way, was that the last uh crowd pay-per-view? Yeah, that was. I thought so. I was trying to remember, and, and like I said, I I can never remember like what cards had what fights. Like I, I couldn't tell you like what fight happened before what fight. Like I can remember most fights themselves, like on their own, but I couldn't tell you like what what fight followed that one on, on any specific card. But when I was re-watching it and they were like, coming up tonight, you know, it's Romero Adesanya. I was like, oh, God. I had completely <laughs> forgotten that that was on there. And then, like, I started putting it all together and I was like, I think this was the last time that there was actually a crowd uh, for a, a UFC pay-per-view. And uh, we're going to have one in Jacksonville on Saturday night. So, pretty cool. I, w-
1: I wanted to ask you, man, um, the fact that there's going to be fans in the, in the arena now, like, are you going to miss the no crowd, the, you know, being able to hear the punches, hear them breathing, yes. hear the corners, you're going to miss that? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm going to miss it too, man, because, you know, I just felt like it was just like a, a real inside peek of what really happened. Yeah. yeah it very felt intimate very peak.
0: intimate. Like you were, I, I don't know. There was just a different feel to it. And look, I love I love the feeling of, like, you know, it's the fifth round and it's a close fight and somebody lands a big punch and the place, like, loses its shit, right? Like, there's something very electric about that specific situation. But over the course of an entire card, like, I think I like no crowd better over the course of a whole card. Like, I, you know, again, you get your massive Conor McGregor fight where everybody in the building is 100% glued to what's happening happening in the octagon, and the crowd's reactions, you know, represent the energy there. But that's not the case with every fight on the card. So I think when you're talking about the rest of the fights, it kind of dulls out the intimacy that we get with a lot of those other fights where you do get all the added, you know, sound effects and breathing and you hear the, the kicks landing. I yeah. mean, I, I feel like so many people during the pandemic became aware of the kicks because like you could hear them more vividly than you could than ever before. And so like it, like for the first time, it was like, Oh wow, that has a pop to it that I've never really like heard before. And I think for a lot of people, it was like, I think that's having more damage than it's ever had before. No, it's still having the same damage, but it feels different. Your senses as a, as a viewer perceive it differently because you're hearing it that way. So I'm definitely gonna miss it. I am excited to watch a pay per view though with with the crowd. You know, it's and, and Masvidal is a, a fan favorite. Like the crowd's gonna be absolutely bananas for this main event. But yeah, I I think there is something special to the to the fight cards with nobody in there and, and just uh the silence and the two guys in combat.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that having fans really does sometimes I feel like it kind of moves the needle one way or the other as far as, like, who's actually winning the fight. And I feel like without any fans, I was really able to, like, really key in on, like, who I really think is winning these fights. And I think, you know, when there's fans, you you know, when they're just so behind one person and they're cheering everything that they do, like, especially in these close fights, like, sometimes you just know who's winning. But, you know, sometimes when it's close, you kind of feel like, you know, with the crowd reacting to... Something that one person does over the other, it kind of you know makes you think like okay maybe this guy is actually winning, and then you know the the judges will, will have a completely different you know right, scorecard right. than what you thought than what the fans thought. Uh, yeah, and that's fans, accurate. And the fans are going boo and all this stuff, but you're like, are we actually watching the fight or we just, you know? So I, I mean that layer to it, uh, for me, I feel like uh, I would rather watch it without any fans as far as like wh- how I feel. Uh, the fight's going, but you know, yeah, of course, fans being in the building, just the energy that they bring, uh, especially to guys like Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje, who kind of feed off of that yeah. and it kind of makes it more exciting. So um, everyone's excited for it. I mean, I, I'm excited for it too. It's just going to be different, yeah, from having nobody to having just. Fans
0: again. Well, to, I mean, like everything, there are pros and cons, without a doubt. Like I, I'm not saying that I don't like any aspect of having fans in the building, but yeah, I think there was there was just something unique, and it was a unique way to watch the sport. And uh, I, I think it just it it allowed you just a it kind of felt like you were closer to it than ever before uh, for the last you know year basically. So, uh, but yeah, I like. Like, if Usman drops Masvidal, or vice versa, like, hearing the place go bananas is going to be pretty fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's some sports where, like, you can tell that they need fans. Like, the NBA needs fans. Yes. Right? The absolutely. NFL needs, the NFL needs fans. The UFC, like, the way that they put these fights on, I mean, how they were kind of zoomed in on, yeah. the, on the fight itself, and you could just hear everything. Like, you could just see, like, they didn't actually need the fans for it to be as right. great as it was. But, you know, some of these other sports, like, you could just tell, yeah. like, they desperately need fans.
0: But, like, it's great for the big fights, like I said. Like, I, I don't think the fans would really make a big difference for, like, I, 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 may, I could be wrong, but I don't know that the fans are going to make a big difference for Jimmy Crute, Anthony Smith. Like, I, you just don't have right. the same amount of, like, excitement for those two guys as you will for Masvidal and Usman, right? Like, the fans make a massive difference in how you perceive a main event type fight versus a non-main event fight. So yeah. Um, we'll see, man. We'll see. I'm I'm excited to see what it looks like. Same here, brother. All right. Uh, our main event is a rematch. Not here It is Kamaru Usman, the champ uh, who is starting to put together a resume that, uh, that has us questioning whether he has the uh, potential to be the greatest welterweight champion of all time. Kamara Usman eighteen and one overall against the number four welterweight Jorge Masvidal thirty five and fourteen. Uh, these guys fought, I think it was uh, what July, uh, Fight Island last summer. Masvidal has not fought since this fight. Uh, Usman has defeated Gilbert Burns since this fight. This was a dominant win by Kamaru Usman. I I, I thought Kamaru was going to win this comfortably the first time around. I feel like Kamaru is a scarier individual today than he was the last time these guys fought. Uh Kamaru Usman is a minus 400 favorite, Masvidal plus 300. This is uh, this is all Kamaru Usman for me. I I, I just the last time, you know, the path for Masvidal is to land the one big shot, potentially. Um, Usman limited that to the extreme the last go-round. The only chance I think there is here is simply because if Usman wants to, to give more punishment, uh, you know, maybe that means he opens himself up to, to being hit, but I, I just don't see it, man. I, I think this is a dominant Kamaru Usman win.
1: Yeah, all signs are pointing towards it being another dominant Kamaru Usman performance over uh, Masvidal. Uh, for what it's worth, Masvidal did step in on six days notice. And uh, the first fight, you know, I think Masvidal knew what was coming. Uh, he knew that uh, his best chance to win was early. So he he basically went out in that first round and laid it all on the table. Yeah, And then from there, I mean, it was just all Usman uh Masvidal was completely gassed and uh Usman had his way for for uh 5 rounds. Um but now, you know, the whole thing with this fight, the whole selling of this fight is okay, now Mazola has had a full camp. Um you know, now now he's ready, right? But Usman's gotten scarier. Usman also has a full camp. I mean, we didn't see the complete game of Kamaru Usman in that first fight. We just saw yeah. him play it safe and just Get the win, you know?
0: Usman also had a broken nose going into that last fight. Yeah, ha- had a broken nose, was compromised,
1: and still uh, did did work the way he did, you know? Kind of shut down Masvidal, even early. Um, Masvidal had some flurries early on with his kicks, with leg kicks, with body kicks. Uh, he definitely looked fast at the beginning, but once he got tired, it was, it was a wrap. Um, the only thing that, that I think is different about this fight uh, i think Malfadal is going to be uh dangerous for a longer period of time so if there's ever um when they, whenever they're standing uh is going to be dangerous when uh if he's able to throw some shots he's going to be dangerous yeah uh but if if they're in the clinch if they're um if they're grappling at, at in any way usman's going to have the advantage usman's the stronger guy the bigger guy um you know, he has experience with the wrestling and everything. I just don't think that Masvidal has, I mean, I don't think there's anything that he can do to stop Kamar Usman from having his way with him, uh, with wrestling and the grappling and everything. The only chance that that he has is if uh, Usman wants to really knock him out and just completely doesn't use his wrestling at all yeah. and just gives Masvidal a chance to knock him, to to uh, have yeah. a striking battle. That's the only way. But, you know, Usman, I don't think is, I don't think he underestimates Masvidal that much. Despite what he says, Right. I don't think he underestimates him that much.
0: Yeah, like I, I think there will be points in this fight where there are going to be opportunities. Because, again, I do think that uh, Usman likes the fact that he won the way that he did against Burns. I think he likes the traction that that's kind of given him as far as notoriety. Um so I I do think that there will be more of those opportunities this time around than there were the first time. Uh, and look, the broken nose probably factors into that as well. Like you're not going to put yourself at risk when you have a broken nose as much. Uh, so maybe there will be more of those opportunities, but I also feel like Kamar Usman and, and again, you know, maybe it's just the Burns fight and we could be somewhat blinded by this, but, he just looks so good on the feet in, in moments during that fight with the jab uh. that, you know, I, I do feel like he's in a better position even when they are in those situations than I would have felt like the first time around, so.
1: Yeah, he's definitely, yeah, okay. His striking has definitely improved just from their last fight, from last July yeah. to, uh what month are we, in April of 2021. I mean, his striking has gotten two, three times better than what it was. Well, I remember mean, his-
0: the Colby fight was a five round war and that was all striking. Right. And I never felt yeah. like that was, he didn't look like, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from that win. That was a great win. It was an awesome fight. Uh, you know, speaking of classics, that was a classic fight, yeah. but I didn't walk away from that. Like thinking, man, Kamaru Usman is such a sharp striker. Like I, I, I just didn't feel like it, that was just kind of a brawl, right? Like, against Gilbert yeah. Burns it felt like we were watching a sharp striker. So yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree man. Uh with just with how he was popping out that jab and you could tell he had been working on it with Trevor Whitman. I mean Trevor Whitman told him in the corner you're a champion because of your jab and you know the more that Kamaru just committed to it and it it was just working like Gilbert was just he had no answer for that, for that jab. I mean, no matter what he did, whenever he took one of those jabs, you could just tell it had such an effect on him. And then eventually it was dropping him. Um, I definitely feel like Kamaru's just gotten that much better. Uh, and if he's adding m- more layers to his striking, that's just so yeah. scary. And if he's able to show that against a guy who's as good at, at striking as Masvidal, I mean, that's going to be scary for the entire division. And uh, I mean, the jab is definitely going to be something that Masvidal is probably going to worry about. But um, I just think that Masvidal is faster than Burns, and I feel like he he, I'm not sure if he's more powerful than Burns, but he's definitely uh, a lot faster, and he pro- he'll probably be able to get to um, to Usman in ways that Burns wasn't able to in the, in the first fight. So that's kind of where I see it. Yeah, uh, Masvidal's just faster, but I still see a, a dominant win for Usman for sure.
0: Yeah. All right. So we are on the same side of uh, Kamaru Usman over Jorge Masvidal. We are on opposite sides of Zhang Li and Rose Namahunas. We are on the same side of Valentina Shevchenko over Jessica Andrade. Same side of Uriah Hall over Chris Weidman. And opposite sides of Jimmy Crute and Anthony Smith, uh, which means best case scenario for you we differ on two fights you win both of those we will be tied going into our selections next time around so four points to be gained here i have a four point lead uh, here we go
1: see uh, i was supposed to get a point for uh, jeremy Stevens and Jacar close so I was supposed to be
0: uh, one
1: po- i was supposed to be three points and then I was gonna take the lead with this one but We'll settle for the tie, and we'll uh, we'll rebound uh, next week. There's going to be some uh, really good fights coming up in the month of May, so uh, we'll have a chance to take the lead then.
0: We we have a big fight in uh, the state of Texas, don't we?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got a really big, big fight. Houston, we have a good problem Uh, (laughs) because May 15th, we're going to have another very, very big pay-per-view. We're going to crown a new lightweight champion, and we're going to have the return of Nate Diaz, the return of Tony Ferguson, uh, some wars on paper. Just This is going to be a night of wars. I, I mean, when you ask me what, what do I think is going to be the fight of the night on that card, I think uh, I'm going to be naming you about three or four or five different fights.
0: It's crazy because that is a pay-per-view card that doesn't even have a current champion, right? Like the, Even the, the title fight is for a vacancy. Uh, so right. you have zero current champions, but from a matchup standpoint, uh, that might give us, I mean, th- that, that could be the best pay-per-view of the year.
1: Yeah. I mean, just when you look at the matchups, I mean, none of these matchups are even, I mean, of course the main event, you got guys who, uh, like to take it to the ground and grapple and, and, and use submissions and stuff. But, um, th- those are also two guys who go out there and and strike and have a war. And then the rest of the card, Leon, Nate, uh, Darius, Ferguson, um, uh, Barbosa, Shane Burgos. I mean, all of those fights are just stand-up wars that, yeah. I mean, you're not going to be able to take your eyes off of. So, uh, a bunch of fight of the night, potential fights on that card for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll have fun trying to figure out how we're going to order the uh, entertainment aspect of, of that fight card when we roll around. And look, hopefully... Uh, we don't have any cancellations, so that uh, I don't have to hear about this uh, one point business. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, I was so I was so mad because literally, uh, the 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 fight start last weekend. Yeah. The first thing that they say is, "Well, we have some unfortunate news." Uh, Jeremy Stevens, Jacar is off because of an injury, and I'm like, "Yeah, how did he get injured? Like, where do you get injured what happened?" From yeah. White? Yeah, where did he get injured from weigh-ins to the to the fight? Like, was he just yeah? So it was it was just all bad. But uh, yeah, man, uh, I think at the end of this, I mean, no matter how conflicted I was uh, with these two fights, I yeah. think I'm going to end up with a tie, man. I all think right. we're going to see a new strawweight champion, and I think Anthony Smith will beat Jimmy Cruz.
0: Here's the good thing, man. Like, I if uh, if I lose both of those, I don't lose the lead. And I get to see two fighters win that I would probably be rooting for if we weren't trying to pick winners here. So uh, best
1: case scenario for
0: you. Best case scenario here, you know, and and uh, or I'm I'm just you know extending my lead and and uh, the white flag yeah. gets waved. So
1: yeah, if you extend your lead, that's going to be bad. Uh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying not to think about if that happens, especially if even if I lose the uh, the championship fight. Like ah man. I'm hoping not, but I mean, we'll see. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, Look, in all honesty, when that fight got canceled, that just meant that I was going to spend a significant more time on Triller than uh, than on (laughs) UFC Fight Night. So, and that's what happened.
1: Yeah, same same for me because I mean, of course, we're we're hardcore fans, so we're going to watch. But definitely, with something else going on like that Triller event, you're going to switch. And then just with how chaotic it was, yeah, it was so bad that you just couldn't take your you eyes off you of it, right? can't stop watching.
0: Yeah, I can't stop yeah, watching. Yeah, you just
1: couldn't take your eyes yeah. off of it. And then, like, it was so bad. You, you even watch 45 minutes of, of, of live entertainment or live music or whatever, yeah. and you just couldn't just change. I'm just like, ah, oh, well.
0: Yeah. Insanity. But they're, hey, they embraced it, so props to them. All right, my friend, UFC 261 in Jacksonville Saturday night. I believe we have a 9 p.m. main card start. So uh, best of luck to you, my friend. Best of luck to you too, my brother. And uh, we've, got, uh, we've got ceremonial weigh-ins tomorrow, so should be fun.
1: You know, let me just say this. Out all right. of all the things that I, that I missed about this whole pandemic and the no fans and stuff, there was just something about the ceremonial weigh-ins that really just got me excited for the fights like i just really couldn't get excited for with the the face-offs to, like they would just like kind of follow each other like there was no joe rogan announcing right. them and there was no like video package or nothing like right. th- just one after the other to just walk into the stage and i'm just like ah this doesn't do it for me but now we're gonna get to see the video packages joe rogan or john annick will be announcing the fighters again so um I'm excited now, but I think I'll be even more excited after the ceremonial Yeah, weigh-in. there's
0: there's a special hype factor that goes into the ceremonial weigh-ins that kind of just like puts you on that like 24 hour like let's get this thing going. Yeah, yeah, completely yeah, agree.
1: I, I can't wait, man! UFC 261, three title fights.
0: Yeah, let's go. We're actually we're recording this Thursday night, and uh, it'll be out Friday morning. So I guess I should be saying ceremonial weigh-ins today. for uh for our viewers so there you go all right will brewer my friend we'll catch up again next week yeah we'll catch
1: up when we are tied with the (laughs) free have a good one man
0: just just get ready three times on saturday night you're gonna hear bruce buffer say and still (laughs) and then i'm gonna open the show next week with and still Leading the pickup, and I uh, might
1: have a might have a towel, might have a white flag if that happens. Nah, I ain't gonna do that. But uh, let's go, Rose Thug Rose for the win, Thug Rose and uh, Lionheart. Let's get it.
0: All right, everybody, have a great weekend. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products including Kratom, CBD, and Delta-8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Plus, we're saving you 15% off your order when you order online. Visit abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW at checkout to save 15% off your online order visit a abotanicalcompany.com. All right, OU spring game tomorrow. Mike Steely and I will have pregame coverage beginning at 2 o'clock. Tune into that on my Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels. Everybody have a great day. Stay safe, and I will see you tomorrow. The okay. is
1: over.